Friday afternoon and it's time for another Week in Review podcast. My name is Michael Crutcher, Jordan McDonald with me as always. Hello, Jordan. Hi, Michael. The end of another short week for Queensland with a public holiday the last three weeks, but there's stacks to talk about. And one thing that we will talk about is this week our Source podcast had form, or had Labor Senator and former State Secretary and Campaign Director Anthony Chisholm in mm-hmm. and Anthony gave us some very good insights into engaging with young voters in this rapidly changing world. But not just young voters, it was also older voters who don't engage with uh, traditional media in the same way that they did. And Anthony, very generous with his time during an election. We also asked the LNP if they could take part, but they couldn't. And we understand that these are really busy weeks. So the invitation was open to both. But there's a whole bunch of things that Anthony brought up. Jordan, I was interested in what you took out of that conversation. Yeah, no, you're right. It was a very interesting conversation. We're very grateful for his time. Um, while I was intrigued by his genuinely calm demeanour, which is unusual for politicians. <laughs> he is very calm. He is very calm. Um, it was his emphasis on constructing a campaign on really good research that really stood out to me. In the podcast, he recommends spending the money and working with the same team, particularly a team that's experienced previous elections in Queensland. Yeah. Um, he sort of goes on to explain how the the audience, like the the population in Queensland uh, creates quite a unique election. Yeah, different feel in different cities. It is, and that the state poll doesn't quite get it right, doesn't quite give you an accurate reading. So uh, that stood out to me because a recent hobby of mine is learning some sort of online research and, and investigation, investigative stuff with you know open source information. So I did find myself sort of drifting off, wondering what sort of information their, their really deep research might turn up about all of us. Yeah. That was an interesting part of it. And that research, he said, was they really emphasised the importance of quality. Yes. So it's not about, uh, you know, trying to save money on research. It was you need to get the best research you can to make decisions. But at the end, it also comes down to your gut. So you can have all the research, surround Mm -hmm. yourself with it. You're still going to make the decision. And are you a slave to to the data or do you also bring your own part into it? And that was really interesting to hear him talk about that. And just in a really basic way, just the percentage change in budgets for that advertising. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Going back to 2009, the state election here, which he oversaw, and the digital advertising budget was 10% of the total mm-hmm. budget. And, of course, how that's changed so rapidly. So I can recommend that podcast with Absolutely. Anthony Chisholm. He uh, knows his stuff and uh, he gave some really good insights. But... It also, I guess, here we are coming to the end of week four of the election campaign. Two weeks to go. Not long. Um, pre-polling starts on Monday. Postal voting is underway in some places. But what we saw yesterday was um, another controversy for Labor leader Anthony Albanese on the uh, campaign trail. Um, this time when he was asked to name the six... Uh, main points of Labor's um, NDIS policy, the yeah. National Disability Insurance Scheme. Now, Anthony Albanese, we saw in week one, Jordan, he had a, an issue where he couldn't recall the uh, national unemployment rate. Um, so media is sort of ready to jump on some of these things yeah. uh, and they jumped onto him yesterday when he couldn't 
named those six points. He sort of tried to track on for a while. While Media got quite aggressive with him, saying, just give us the six points. Yep. Uh, and in the end, um, another senior minister spoke while a, uh, a folder was handed to him with the with the six points. So it's been reported as another gaffe. He's not another across, one. Yeah, yep. not across policy, etc. I just want to make a point on this as um, a former editor of a metropolitan newspaper, but also as someone who uh, was chief of staff in the federal election campaign for the Courier Mail back in 2007. Now, I've heard people say, well, that's a gotcha moment from journalists. Um, you know, uh, how can you expect him to know absolutely everything? Um, you know, they set him up, etc. Okay, and I get all that stuff. I just want to make two points on this. These journalists, when it comes to these election campaigns, travel with the two main leaders. So mm-hmm. that they, they, uh, they, they travel around... Uh, and follow them wherever they go over these these six weeks. Now, the reality of what happens is that these journalists are effectively held hostage. Okay, so they are taken by the parties to wherever the parties want to go. Mm-hmm. So if they want to go from Brisbane one day to Cairns the next, the plane will take off from Brisbane Airport and go to Cairns, usually with very little warning to the media contingent about where they're going. When they get on the ground in the new city, they're usually taken to a location which is stage managed as much as you possibly can. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the people who might participate in the media opportunities have been heavily vetted by the parties. It's really fake. It is pretty much fake. Now, at the end of all this, the media outlets whose journalists are held hostage receive the travel bill for all of it. So they get the um, airfares to pay, they get the hotel bills to pay, <laughs> etc. So I still think that mainstream media outlets should stand up to this and actually push back on it. It's, you know, to have their staff held hostage for so long. Anyway, they don't. That's for another day. <laughs> but if politicians are going to do this, which they do... They then have to expect that journalists are going to try to find some way to create stories out of things that may be considered not. So, therefore, throwing out a, a question to Anthony Albanese mm. to name six points uh, and he can't name them, well, you know, what, that's just fair game. You lock up the journos. It is, I reckon. This is, is going to happen. So... Um, no, I have no sympathy for either of the party leaders here, either of them, you know, whether they're the Liberal, Labor. This is, this is the game. The second part is Anthony Albanese has to get better at the way he handles these media situations. He so does. if he doesn't know these six points to say, look, I don't know them off the top of my head. He should at least know some of them. Um, but I'll tell you what I know about Labor's NDIS approach mm-hmm. and talk about that. Now, if a journalist wants to say, you don't know the six points, to say, well, look, uh, not off the top of my head, I don't, and I'll find those out and let you know, but I do know this part. So, anyway, regardless of where you stand on this, no one can um, disagree that Albanese should have handled this better, uh, but... That's just my observation on what will be an ongoing thing in these last two weeks as journalists get uh, tired, very tired uh, on the six-week campaign just like politicians do. Um, The leaders have to hold... This is where it's like late in a football game when you get really tired 
but you still had to perform. This is the leaders the next two weeks. So <laughs> cramps are coming in. <laughs> that's right. Cramps are in there and you've got to perform. But I don't know what you thought, Jordan, about what happened. Yeah, no, I uh, I didn't think it was great. I think this is his, what, fifth fifth sort of gaff in the last four weeks. And I think it's certainly starting to hurt him a bit. People are starting to feel very unsure about his ability to perform under pressure. Um, for Scott Morrison, you know, he's had plenty to capitalise on given all these incidents. Um Scott also just seems far more composed under pressure, but I suppose that does come after serving a term anyway. But um, personally, you know, as a younger voter and looking at Albanese, it just seems like he just doesn't know his stuff. And as part of a generation that's grown up with so much information and so capable of accessing information, just not knowing it, it really matters. So I think, I think that, will, that will impact his perception among younger voters. That's interesting. And you know, these are the things we don't know about. As we touched on with Anthony Chisholm, just knowing in this age of so many different platforms to communicate on, um, how you're actually tracking as a party in these campaigns. And we saw last time, the last election, uh, when you know a Labor win was sort of seen as a formality on the day of the election, and it didn't happen. So... In terms of how this plays out in the electorate, I guess we find that out on May 21. Um, so. But yeah, we can definitely recommend the the Anthony Chisholm podcast uh, for some insights there. Now, we often talk on this podcast, Jordan, about what's happening with Facebook and in terms of um, the publishers and what content is uh, most popular with uh, consumers. And we've got more insights this week. We have. So... I have a uh, Q1, a report uh, of Q1 this year of the top Facebook publishers, you know, what sort of content engaged the best uh, and who those people are that are posting it. And so I've got a, I've got a little uh, snapshot, some key takeaways from that, that report. Uh, to start us off, of the top publisher on Facebook in Q1 this year, The Daily Wire was the top again. They had 90, 98 million engagements. Um, but it was a closer race in this quarter than it has been previously. Uh, that conservative publisher losing engagement actually just down from last quarter. They were 109 million in Q4 last year. And the others, other publishers are catching up. So in second spot, NBC had 94 million engagements. Uh, and that's supported with the help of their local news stations. It's a pretty strong network of local it news. It is. There the NBC. Daily Mail uh, grabbed third spot with 80 million engagements. Fourth was Fox News. Again, they're supported by lo- local news stations. They had about 50, 57 million engagements. And so th- th- that's a big drop there from third to fourth, from is. 80 million so that's, to about that's 57. That's been the, the, the trend for the last few reports where there's the clear three and then there's yep. a significant gaps for fourth. Yep. Um, fifth was BBC and then just an honourable mention to the New York Times. They came in at 12th to give you an idea of a number there yeah. at 32.9 million. So when we look at the report for content, the top content was dominated by Ukraine, politics and celebrity deaths when it came to news being shared yeah. on pa- Facebook in the last quarter. To give you an idea of the stories, TMZ's story on Bob Saget death was the most engaged story, which had 1.16 million engagements. BBC's story on Meatloaf's death was uh, second place with 948,000 engagements. So we often look at that too of the power of the opposite on these occasions. So 
stories in which the opposite happens to what you expect uh, can be quite popular. And when we talk about celebrity deaths, even if someone, you know, is... uh, is of a certain age and it's not exactly surprising. It's still, you're used to them being alive. They're not anymore the opposite to what you're used to. It does attract interest. Absolutely. Third on that content list was a CNN story about Ahmad Arbery's killers facing sentencing. Just a a summary of that, six of the top ten stories were celebrity deaths, three focused on the Russia-Ukraine conflict, which again mentioned Elon Musk. Elon Musk, he's a ticket. It's unbelievable. Now, looking at Facebook and the sort of content that was working best, uh, on Facebook, natively, news publishers did better this quarter and they replaced some of the individual meme accounts which tend to dominate this uh, category. So the top five was rounded out by news and politics accounts. You know, these were the other 98%, the Dodo, Lad Bible, yep. and then Ben Shapiro. And then... Yep. The most engaged page was uh, a page called Occupy Democrats and that had 80 million engagements, wow. which is amazing. Now, to the content, native videos replace photos as the most used f- format in the top 10,000 posts for the first time in more than a year. So nine of the top 10 publishers' posts were in video format. None of those top posts were related to hard news or topics, which I thought was interesting. Sport and soft news both featured. And the general feel of these posts were things to do with animals or families. Many publishers are highlighting heartwarming stories that were, you know, highly engaging. So those heartwarming stories, I guess the common link with those is the emotion of pride. Mm-hmm. So making someone feel proud, best emotional connector you can have. If you can make people feel proud, uh, you're on to a winner and that seems to be uh, one of those important notes. They're always interesting, these, because they keep showing us, even though some things don't change rapidly in these times, there's enough tweaks in the trends that you can pick things up yep. and you can start to work out Absolutely. how audiences might be shifting. Video there is really interesting as well mm. That's in the sense of uh, how important that is. So always good to hear those summaries. Indeed. Anything that really shocked you on that? Um, I thought video had been sort of at the forefront for a long time, but I guess I'd never considered it from a publisher point of view. So the news and political outlets, I suppose they do post the photos a fair bit more and I just hadn't really considered that but it's good to see that the videos uh, is taking taken top spot because video does dominate in just about every other category yeah. on social media so yeah, true. yeah I thought that was interesting speaking a bit about video moving into something like this the last thing we're looking at this week uh, an item Jordan that got a bit of a run around the place yesterday which was the beloved Paul Kelly song, How to Make Gravy, which is the Christmas, I guess, classic in modern Australia. Mm -hmm. Um, It's being made into a film. Oh, right. A feature film. There you go. And when you think about it, people who know this song, they know there are characters in there. Some Australians know these lyrics back to front and... A lovely uh, song and lyrics from Paul Kelly. And, um, yeah, you know there's a story behind them. But for this to become a movie, well, you you can do a lot worse than get a Paul Kelly story to make a movie. But (laughs) it's sort of not something you expect. But I guess it got got us thinking about different ideas for content at the moment. And we've spoken the last few weeks about 
uh, Netflix, maybe peak subscription, yep. all these different services. Content is so important. How do mm-hmm. you keep people finding value in their subscriptions for the likes of Netflix and other streaming services? Mm-hmm. And here we go with a movie that um, will come off the back of uh, a song. So we went and did a bit of a search then <laughs> looking for um, some different descriptions of TV series or movies that are currently on uh, on different streaming services to see what are they really up to. Yes. Now, we've spoken about free-to-air TV where it seems as though that uh, it's a constant staple of uh, sport and reality TV and, you know, Big Brother season 23 or whatever and mm-hmm. The Bachelor season 20-odd, all that stuff. There's not a whole lot of new stuff that's working there. I read the other day that... Uh, this is your life. The decades-old TV series might be coming back again. There you go. So anyway, we set a task here, Jordan, to go back and find some quite preposterous, uh, we thought, um, situations of uh, content on different shows. What have you come up with? Give me a top three for surprising ideas for a TV show and or movie. I'll give you my top three, but perhaps I shouldn't say their names. I, I can explain each one. So my first one was a dating show where singles dress up in elaborate cosplay and go on blind dates in public. Uh, so the outfits varied from, you know, like an alien elephant or a zombie dragon. And these are very, very detailed cosplay. Like the So you couldn't recognise the person Oh, as no, such. God, no. So you, they look you like have no idea. elephants and... Yeah, yeah, I honestly so don't understand how that like works, this. but it's a dating show. I mean, it's a very similar format to maybe The Bachelor, but uh, but yeah, you dressed up in I just costumes. don't know. <laughs> okay, I just don't know. Okay, the next one right. I found. Um, I'll just read the little uh, the grab that it had on Netflix for you. It said, uh, after turning his veggies into green energy. Richie earns a trillion dollars overnight and a new life filled with non-stop fun and adventures. <laughs> yeah. For some so reason. This is, you, 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 you turn your veggies into green energy and you're a trillion. Whatever that green energy is and whatever it does, it's obviously very valuable. Um, but for whatever reason, people were interested in another story of a, uh, a rich white kid complicit, completely missing uh, some nostalgic value that is attached <laughs> to that show. Okay. Uh, and the last one I found was a show that focused on influencers. It's an inside look into the life of social media's most talked about stars as they navigate love, fame and friendship. But the, uh, the only issue is none of them are stars and no one knows who they are and they're all completely <laughs> insufferable and nothing, absolutely nothing happened in the house. There was no drama, nothing. They were all just doing their own individual things related to social media. So... While reality TV still works, they just completely missed every mark. <laughs> Plus, they actually made this show to target a younger demographic uh, and that demographic rejected the show for enabling self-important wannabe celebrities. Bombed. Ouch. Bombed? Yeah, no, it's, it's just been no good. <laughs> they cancelled a bunch of uh, other shows on Netflix to make this one happen. Oh, so really? Yeah, it's not great. Not great. Well, okay, I'm going to give you my top two. Now I'm going to read out the description of a movie. Mm-hmm. A tropical holiday becomes a terrible nightmare when a family discovers the secluded beach they're staying at is somehow causing them to age rapidly. I did watch this one. You've watched this I've movie? I've watched this one. 
Is it better than the scenario suggests? Um, It's not as bad as it might read here, um, but it's also not breathtaking either. Okay, I'm going to take your word for that because I probably won't be watching it. Yeah, it's fair enough. I wouldn't. So what I'm thinking if someone has gone into pitch an idea to to these executives looking for new content, Mm -hmm. we've got a great idea. A tropical holiday becomes a terrible nightmare when a family discovers a secluded beach there on is causing them to age rapidly. Mm. Great idea. Let's let's do this. Let's let's do this. Okay. Millions. Next movie. A giant (laughs) predator, city on wheels, devours everything in its path. So I'll I'll read it again. A giant predator, city on wheels, devours everything in its path. Okay, I haven't watched this movie. Um, I actually haven't come across a city on wheels before. But then again, um, just call me closed off to imagination, I guess. (laughs) I don't know. I don't think that's closed off to imagination. Have you seen this movie? No, I haven't and I won't be. Okay. Yeah, no, I won't be. Well, unfortunately, I can't give you any insights other than that. (laughs) So again, someone's gone to an executive and said, we've got a great idea. We've got a city on wheels Mm -hmm. and it devours everything in its It's going to eat everything. So yeah. I'm guessing there's another city on wheels that it comes up against. Oh, one could one could guess. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I don't know. Is there something else? There's another. There'd be something because there's always a twist you don't expect. In That's these, it in these movies. So <laughs> anyway, that is um, just got us thinking. After we saw that, how to make gravy has come to the rescue again of content makers who have run out of ideas. That's it. So we look forward to that. Is a great song, and I can see why. Let's hope they do it justice in the movie front. What about this weekend, Jordan? It's not a long weekend, so we've only got two days, not three. Back to regular weekends. Um, and I'm actually kind of relieved. These these work weeks with the the one less day have been chaotic. So I'm kind of keen to get the, the fifth day back. But this weekend for me is going to be pretty uneventful. I'll probably do a little bit of work um, and just spend time with our two cats, which are becoming quite the handful. Are they getting on, the cats? They are getting on, but the little one, uh, as she's become more comfortable, has become more annoying. Oh, right. Yeah, so... And the big one just wants to play at full tilt, but at that level of full tilt and her size, it's a bit murderous. So she's got to be careful. I think you're pitching a a TV show and or movie here. Millions get thrown at this idea, I reckon. So, new uh, girl kitten comes into a house... Run by an established male. Oh yeah, cat. It sounds alright. Well, is anyone on wheels? No one's on wheels, but that could be arranged so for sure. We've got a TV show right there. Yep, there'll there be at least go. three seasons. Uh, I look forward to the script. <laughs> Have a good weekend. <laughs> Thanks you too.